Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. So put a keg on my coffin inside the state fairgrounds. Serve chicken and biscuits with all the fixings. Gather everyone around. Corey, come back. Tap Coach Beamer. Say some words. Let Mark Bryant lead the choir. And this send the boys off to destroy them damned old Clemson Tigers. I've heard all the stories of the great George Rogers. Now back in 1980, it made the whole nation hot. And I've seen that photograph. Of young C. Teddy Hill Up at Old Valley Signing his name on the field Yeah, and I love the hair 2001 and Bill Williams Price Rock Oh, what else can I say It's here my dying day I'll be a South Carolina game Yes, I will Yes, I will What do y'all say we do this again next year, boys and girls? And what's up, Gamecock Nation? That is the sights and sounds. Had to put it on them a little bit, Chris. The sights and sounds of Patrick Davis and his Midnight Choir from Friday. Again, people are maybe tired of hearing about it by now, but I got to throw another shout-out to everybody that helped make the party possible. Um, Could not have gone better. We had great guests. We had great speakers, former players. Um, Shout-out to Michael Haney, our MC. Uh, Preston Thorne and Langston Moore helped, I mean, absolutely carry the show. Awesome dudes, awesome talents. All the former players, we had three head coaches who made appearances. Uh, Coach Shelly Smith with women's soccer, Frank Martin, men's basketball, and, of course, Shane Beamer, the surprise appearance. Uh, shout out to all of them, and shout out to everybody who came out uh, for what was just a really, really awesome night. And I would say first of many, uh, Chris we're back to football talk, man. We are one week from being in a game week situation. This time next week, I will be talking to you about Clint Hammond and the Mortgage Network, and I'll be saying, we made it. It is game week. That is one week away. South Carolina, plenty to talk about. Still many storylines to go. Chris, how's it going, man? Let's get down to it. Yeah, it's exciting times, man. Uh, 
preseason kickoff party at good timing because now the team is kind of coming out of that camp mode and now you're getting into your actual preparations for game one against Eastern Illinois. And by the way, Wes, still working on locking in a special guest for the show, possibly this, not maybe not this week, but the next uh, related to Eastern Illinois. I know we talked on the show earlier uh, on a previous edition that we don't know a lot about Eastern Illinois. So whether it's on GamecockCentral.com or it's here on GC Live or really both, uh, we're going to have more on Eastern Illinois, I hope, in great detail. So still working on that. But yeah, now it's about getting ready, you know, for Eastern Illinois coming out of camp where you're kind of working on South Carolina. Now, as the game gets closer and closer, you're getting into that mode of let's let's hone in on Eastern Illinois and get ready for that game. And that's what it's going to be about from here on out, week to week, preparing for each opponent that you face. And that happens to be game one. So obviously a ton of storylines within the team, you know, not even breaking down that particular matchup. It's not the most intriguing of the season because Eastern Illinois is one of not many, but one of a few of those teams that you look at this year and you set you, a lot of people kind of putting it in the win column. Obviously, it's not a guarantee. I think people are more concerned with the internal storylines with South Carolina, starting with quarterback, and then moving to a lot of other little subplots within this team. Yeah, man. So um, it, it's it's fun that, like you said, generally, if you just threw out those two teams, nobody's getting really excited. Like this was week. This was a week eight game. You, this is the game that people maybe take their kid, their young kid to the game for the first time, or, you know, maybe uh, you invite your cousin into town because you know the tickets are going to be a little bit easier to get. Like, this is not a usual big game matchup, but because you have a new head coach, a new era, a new offensive coordinator, a new defense coordinator, new special teams, pretty much everything is new. It, it's it will be one of the most highly anticipated games of the entire season, just because not because of the opponent the opponent uh, is really no offense is kind of inconsequential. It's more about South Carolina. This game is about South Carolina, about the program, about the direction that Carolina wants to take things, offensively, defensively, special teams, and and all the way around. So that's what makes it fun, and and that is what uh, I believe people will turn out for. Um, before we get any further, got to tell everybody about, about our good friend, Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network. He is our presenting sponsor here on GC Live. Uh, check out clinthammond.com for more information. Or if you're just already in the market for a new home, I know a lot of people are buying and selling homes right now. Uh, if you sell your house, you got to go buy one as well. So uh, hit up Clint, 803 uh, 771 You see on the screen right there his NMLS number is 71597. Or you just shoot him an email, chammond at mortgagenetwork.com. One of my best friends just bought a house through Clint uh, last week or the week before. I don't remember exactly. But once again, A-plus, five-star, 100%, awesome, smooth transaction. Clint will do the same for you. Give him a shout. Again, shout-out to Clint. He is the presenting sponsor right here on the show. All right. I still I still don't know a ton about Eastern Illinois. We will get into that. Like Chris said, maybe we will have a guest. But right now, we're still about South Carolina. And some story – it always happens like this, Chris. Storylines 
we, we think we know what the storylines are. Sometimes it goes by the script, and sometimes it doesn't. I who who would have thought? So I was on 107.5 the game right before we came on the show here. Who would have thought that when talking about starters, Chris? Let's say a month ago, two months ago, that I would have said this sentence. I believe there's a good chance that Zeb Nolan will hand the football off to Zaquandre White on the first drive of the game as part of the first string. Yeah, uh, definitely not the first part of that sentence. The Zaquandre White thing you could you could maybe say. and, and But hey, even I, then, though, I feel like – Yeah, even, even then, I mean, that one, yeah. And, and I'm not – I know Zaquandre's been taking, as we've reported, there have been first-team reps he's had, and you've reported very accurately. But, I mean, could that change even, right? But between now and then, maybe, we, we heard I mean, a lot it of positive. easily could. But I'm just it, saying that it's even right. – that it's yeah. even like a strong – If let's say, the, let's say the season started this past Saturday at the scrimmage. That That's yeah. the – that Todd Ellis would be saying, Zeb Nolan hands the ball off to Zaquandre yeah. White. Like yeah that, yeah I mean it's it's wild it's um it, it's only slightly less you know believable than if you know at that point you know than if you would have said Shane Beamer is going to take the first snap I mean because you're they they pulled a they pulled a coach off the field you know but I mean we didn't know no reason to to know it or research it that said no one had an extra year of eligibility and, and here we go I think about that often you know I think about that day at camp when we saw him. And literally the quote we heard, that's a guy named Zeb. Like, that's that's what we heard. Like, that could be the headline of a story. That's a guy named Zeb. He played at North Dakota State. You know, we kept hearing that. They were just going, wow. But, you know, I, I remember the last the last show we did, Wes. I mean, I feel like people are going to start playing it over and over. But, you know, I was sitting there saying, ah, is Zeb Nolan going to play a lot this season? Probably not. Right? But – this thing has kept building and building and building to where now, you know, for those of you who have not read Russ's recent Carolina Confidential on GamecockCentral.com, I highly recommend you go and check that out today. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I, I was right there with you, man. It, it just shows how quickly uh, how quickly things can progress or change. And, I mean, I was sitting there saying I, I feel like they're sort of getting Jason Brown ready. Like, this, this is the way it's headed. And um, then you sort of, I, I would say, I, I, you know, we tried to hint at what was going on last Friday as well because it, the information was already starting to change. And you have to be careful because, man, people people will call you out these days. Like, if, if, if it changes, you can be completely accurate. And then let's say Jason Brown has the best week of practice of his life this week. And they're like, man, Jason's looked too good to, to not start. That's yeah. always a possibility. Right. And people will be like, well, you're dumb. You know what said last week that it was going to be Zeb, <laughs> you know. Um, so, uh, it, by all indications, it has not been decided yet. And it's still kind of uh, a situation where one guy can can take it. But, um, and, and I see Brad on, on Facebook, and, and this is, I do, I like to see the reactions from fans to the information. But, I will say, I think we got we got to put the Muschamp era just behind behind us all. Um, I, the the Colin Hill comparison, 
I mean, it, yeah, okay, it's an older transfer quarterback. Where where else where else does that like comparison fit? I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess he's not as mobile, but I mean, but they're different players. They're different players. They're different, different coaches people. with a different offense. Dif- di- completely different circumstances. I mean, you could compare. You could say, just to be fair, I mean, you could say that reminds me of. I mean, how how many how many pocket passer transfer quarterbacks have? transferred to a school in history a bunch you know i mean you could say that uh, reminds me of that or that but you're right i mean i understand yeah, joe burrow <laughs> right you go there i i mean i understand the deal with and we've seen that a lot not just with quarterback with any decision with recruiting whatever it may be anything related to this football team or recruiting we see a lot of comparisons with the Muschamp era or the Spurrier era. It, it, it stands on its own. So this is a new thing. There's there's one. There's literally one on-field coach left over from the Muschamp era who's a position coach who is now coaching with this team. That's Mike Peterson. That's the and, only and one. And a very successful. And, and a successful one. So he, he's not – it's not the same offense. It's not the same defense. It's not the same philosophy and coaching. It's not the same philosophy with how the programs run. There are a lot of different things. So if Zeb Nolan ends up being the starter or plays in X number of games this year, the success that he has or doesn't have will have zero to do with, well, Muschamp, the past era. It'll have nothing to do with how other transfer quarterbacks at other schools have fared. It'll have zero to do with, Steve Spurrier, it, it just it won't have anything to do with that. So the interesting thing is also, Wes, I think it's worth pointing out, game one starter, not necessarily game two starter, game three, these things could all change. You know, we, we've seen that a lot. We, we've seen that when Connor Shaw was on this roster back in the day. If we want to start saying what reminds us of what, you know. So um, I don't know. The, the, it's, it's not – it's not an apples to apples comparison and it's not a deal where Zeb Noland is, is the same guy as Colin Hill or, or whatever. I, I understand it, but I agree with you, Wes, because we've talked about this a lot. At some point, everybody's got to move on and just let things play out, you know, with, with a new staff, with a new program. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not certainly picking on Brad's opinion here and Brad has followed yeah. up and said, um, I want to see these other young guys, that's all, not a guy who doesn't have a long-term future. Uh, and that that certainly makes sense. Uh, sure. But it, here, here's my – here's my – and not not that coaches are – what's the word? Infallible. Not that they can't make the wrong decision. Um, because that co- – coaches – anybody <laughs> makes wrong decisions all the time. Like, no nobody is perfect. Nobody – that's – there's a right decision and a wrong decision. We'll see how it plays out. But what I'm, what the point I'm trying to get at is, yes, Zeb Nolan has one year of eligibility. Um, yes, when if he ends up being the starter, Chris, when he gets announced as starter, there will be these national headlines that will say they will be focused on coach turned quarterback to start for South Carolina. That that will be the focus, right? Oh yeah, yep. Um, if you're a South Carolina fan, that does not matter. 
doesn't doesn't matter doesn't matter if they literally pulled. You know, Beamer said he didn't pull a quarterback out of five points. It doesn't matter if he literally pulled somebody out of the still hands party on Friday and suited him up and put him in a uniform if he gives South Carolina the best chance to start 2-0, and in my opinion. I'm going to go ahead and take it to the second one. We're, for this conversation, we're assuming this is you know, with no Luke Doty because it where, where the program is right now, I think we have to sort of uh, recognize big picture. Everyone is very excited. Um, there's a new hope, a new energy, and all that is a very good thing for the future of the program. Small picture, week one, week two, week three, this 2021 season, it's, it's going to be tough. Like, they're going to have to grind out some wins. So, the, the coach, Beamer's never going to go up there in the press conference and say, Eastern Illinois is awful. But <laughs> we, we can sit here and say, Eastern Illinois is not some great football team. The only way South Carolina loses to Eastern Illinois is if they go out there and do not protect the football and put it on the turf seven times. So, what what gives you the best chance of just having a solidified quarterback position and sending a guy out there to manage the game? If if it is Zeb Nolan, then you have to make that decision, and you don't care about the PR, the reaction, any of that stuff. Because yes, I, I get what Brad's saying. Everybody wants to see new guys. They want to see new quarterbacks. They want to see new players. I'm the same way. Following the team, I I want to see what new guys can do. I'm ready to see what can Amari and Brown do at receiver. I'm ready to, to see what some new dudes can do. But for the betterment of the long-term future of this program, they have to find as many wins as possible this season to sell it mm-hmm. to the guys that are on the fence right now. The guys, we've talked about it, Chris, the guys that are on the fence are guys that can play at any program in the country. Um, Antonio Williams, uh, uh, Stone Blanton, Jayshon Barham, um, Oscar Delp. These are guys who could play anywhere. The South Carolina needs to look as cohesive on the field as possible in order to get guys like that. So if it's Zeb, you have to make the call and you have to go with Zeb, regardless of what people, people may roll their eyes about the headlines and all that stuff. But none of that really matters on Saturday. It doesn't. It doesn't. And, you know, if I, I said don't draw comparisons, but just to think back, people, a lot of people would always bring up Steve Spurrier like last year, right? And they would say, well, Spurrier wouldn't hesitate to pull his quarterback, right? which was true. He also wouldn't hesitate to make some quarterback decisions as far as starters that people sort of went, what, you know, like it, to be fair about it. So, I mean, the, the classic example, of course, is the, the 2008 game against NC state, which was probably one of the most weird college football games ever. Certainly one of the most strange ones I've ever seen at South Carolina in terms of covering the program. South Carolina won that game 34 to nothing, (laughs) despite Tommy Beecher going in and throwing four picks. And he later is supplanted by Chris Smelly, who's a former four-star recruit, but he was a freshman at the time, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, it it, it always is interesting. And and I think whether or not, you know, the play on the field and the win or the loss will dictate if it was the right move. You know, and look, part of our job and part of 
being a fan for the fans out there is talking about the team and, and, you know, how you see things maybe playing out. But it is understandable because of the point that you made and that go to the first two games, like you said, Wes. I mean, Eastern Illinois, East, East Carolina. These two games are must-win games to be able to get to the level that South Carolina wants to get to this year. You can't drop one of those games or both of those games and then go on and, say, reach a bowl game. Given this schedule, that's not realistic. So you got to go out and win those. I understand the logic of go out there and throw a freshman or throw Jason Brown out there, even if maybe he's not quite as ready. If you're going to go down, go down with one of those. I understand that. But as coaches, and again, you're right, they are fallible. They can make the wrong call. We'll see. Uh, but if you feel like that gives you the best chance to win, protect the football, the things that you're going to need to do to go win those games that on paper you should, then you probably more apt, are more apt to make a decision with going with a guy that knows the offense well, has experience, things of that nature. Yeah, and um, I, I tend to think week two, ECU, if whoever your best quarterback – quarterback option is for week one. I kind of think that is your best option for week two as well. Um, and because you, you are going, you're going on the road. This is not, you're not going to Ohio state by any means, but it, it's going to, that, that's going to be ECU Super Bowl. I expect a great crowd. I expect a great atmosphere. I expect a potentially close game. I, I don't, I don't know. I'll be, I mean, I'll be completely honest. I don't know enough about what we should realistically expect from South Carolina, nor do I know enough about ECU's actual players. I just know going on the road for the first time with a new team, new staff, there's so much newness there that from an outside, like, non-matchup, non-like receivers versus DBs or this D-line versus this O-line, from a non-matchup standpoint, that game – is kind of scary for South Carolina. So, Very. yeah, like you you need – to me, you need the guy at quarterback who can command the moment and uh, can handle the moment. So – and that may sound silly. People are like, the moment at ECU. But um, it's new – this is new for a lot of these guys. And it's certainly new for all of them in this scheme together. So, so I, I don't know. I, I think th- this is going to be a season where you almost have to uh, – I know every coach every year takes, you know, every season week by week. But South Carolina is going to have to really just manage all the ups and downs of this season incredibly well in order to come out of the other end. Uh, fill, filling, you know, I, I think what, what what is realistic, and I let, let's let's just do a straw poll. Let's see. What what is a realistic number for wins? Just throw the number in there. You don't even have to give an explanation. What's a realistic number of wins that you would be happy with? Um, if you're a fan, you can throw it at Facebook. Uh, if you're listening on Twitter, YouTube, wherever, give give me your number because I'm curious. And it, you're you're already seeing. <laughs> I mean, I mean, look, this is insane. It's a, it's a string, yeah. It is a for those who are listening on the podcast. There is a steady stream of the number six, and then a few fives 
Erlen says seven or eight. Um, Beckham says five. Got another eight. Um, so you're only going to be happy if they win eight games. You got to reset. You got to reset. Nick says getting to a bowl. See, and I or six. Then somebody says or seven with the bowl game. I, I so six six is the number, man. Look at the schedule. Find six. Find six wins. Fam, your fan base is pretty happy, and that is something you can build off in recruiting because it shows progress. So it it actually is kind of eye opening, man. Like that's most of the time you see a little bit more. What is the word? Like divergence of of like opinions. Mo- I mean, it was a steady line of the number six yeah it was and and look to get there that's why we talk about the importance of these these first two games and then the games that are dotted across the schedule there aren't many of them like I said earlier but the games that South Carolina has the best on paper chance to win now they're not played on paper obviously but point is I'll go back to the the broken record phase phrase that I already pre-warned you about that I'm going to use a ton this year, but the low margin of error, there's not a lot this year. So there are very few teams on this schedule that you're going to look at it, South Carolina versus whoever, and you're going to say advantage in terms of roster talent and depth is South Carolina from in all three phases of the game. Um, there will be some teams that South Carolina has, even teams that have a lot more talent overall and a lot more depth, Maybe the D-line's better. Or maybe the running backs are better. I'm talking collective talent. Eastern Illinois is certainly one of those games, and that's why, Wes, it's critical that South Carolina doesn't go out there and, like you said, turn the ball over seven times. That's probably the only way you're losing that game, but it's very important that you don't do that. Um, East Carolina, look, here's all i got to say about that. East Carolina, that won't be an easy place to play. Their coach is Mike Houston, who's one of the best football coaches in the country. Uh, He won a national championship at James Madison. Before he got there, he was at the Citadel. He was the head coach at the Citadel in 2015. We all know what happened then, right? So uh, this is a guy who, if you're going to go against a coach that kind of scares you from a schematic and a coaching standpoint, somebody that can be a difference maker there, Mike Houston is one. And so you look at that and you say, yeah, South Carolina should be able to kind of out-talent East Carolina, but is it this huge gap or chasm? It's not. It's not at all, I don't think. Again, we got more to learn about East Carolina, but it's not Ohio State versus East Carolina. Like you said, Wes, it's not Alabama versus East Carolina. Uh, South Carolina has work to do to continue developing the roster through the guys that are on it, through recruiting, filling holes, developing depth. Those are concerns. Uh, It's good that you have these two games early that are winnable for sure, uh, but nonetheless, you got to play quite well, I think, in order to win those games. You do, man. You do. All right, so let's let's dial back into the scrimmage beyond quarterback. Feedback we've heard, uh, stuff we've heard floating around. You know, I, it sounds like it was a little bit of a bounce back for the offense this week. I, I think scrimmage one, uh, defense seemed well ahead of the offense for some things that they did. Uh, a lot of the feedback I've heard, Chris, has remained kind of around the same guys. Uh, Juju, Juju McDowell, I mean, 
if you would have told me coming into camp that he would be the talk of camp, I would have said, you know, maybe. I, I wouldn't have, like, said there's no way that happens. But to the extent it has happened, I probably would have said that's a little bit far-fetched. But he, I mean, consistently, everybody has talked about this kid. He had another big play. And with, with what we're talking about, as far as South Carolina and playmakers and finding playmakers, um, I, I'm not going to sit here and say, move him to the slot, move him to receiver, because I, I know that's like a common refrain from people. It's not easy just to move a guy to another position who's a freshman. But the, the more you hear about this kid, Chris, the more I think the key to South Carolina's offensive success, or one of the keys, is going to be to find a way to efficiently use these guys that have sort of different skill sets. And I started out having Jaheim Bell and EJ Jenkins sort of in that category. Now I'm adding Juju McDowell into that category as well. They're all three very different from each other as far as skill sets go. Um, And in fact, lining EJ up beside Juju would actually be a very interesting look considering the uh, the how much different they are in height. But I think getting Juju McDowell on the field has actually some, – some guys just make a statement with their play. And it kind of sounds like he has, has done that. So can, can you line him up maybe with some two-back stuff? Can you line him up where he's in the slot but you're planning just to motion him and do some jet sweep type stuff? Can you put in some packages for him? Absolutely. Could I mean, I'm, I'm wondering, could you put he and Joyner in the backfield together and do some packages like that and sort of package those two things together? Absolutely. Um, I've heard, Chris, his reps have continued to go up, not just on the special team side, but on as far as finding ways to get him in the mix. That's, of course, without Kevin Harris still being out there. So you really have one of those good problems to have once, you know, once he is back or once Kevin Harris is back, you, you're going to have some decisions to make as far as carries go at the running back position. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just kind of thought of this earlier, trying to figure out a lot of people like comparisons for players and things like that. You know, maybe Caleb McDowell, Juju McDowell can be a guy that is kind of like maybe a Brandon James kind of player. If you remember him at Florida, you know, smaller guy. Now, Brandon James was a 10, 400 meter guy. So super fast, obviously made the bulk of his plays in the return game, punt returner, kick returner. But I think there's a similar type of skill set there in that, you know, Juju McDowell's not your every down running back like a Kevin Harris or a, or a you know, Marshawn Lloyd, Quandre White. He's not that type of guy, but he can do what he did in high school, which was play some running back, play receiver. He even played DB in high school. And then obviously punt and kick return. And, you know, Pete Limbo, the special teams coordinator at South Carolina, uh, wanted to get a good look at Juju uh, at, in the return game to be determined as to whether or not, you know, he'll be the guy or get some opportunities there in game situations. But what we do know is when he's touched the ball in preseason, he's shown the ability to be dangerous and to make big plays. So going back to the point you made, when you look up and down this roster, you know, you're not really thinking at this point about, well, there's six different receivers to get the ball to, and there's, you know, all these different guys. 
you kind of are looking now at positionless football. You're kind of looking at who are the guys that South Carolina can get the ball to no matter what position. Who are your best guys? And then what types of positions can you put them in on the field from a schematic standpoint to where you can get the ball to them, given your questions, and let them go make plays? And so you mentioned a couple of them, Jenkins, because of his matchup capabilities and how he can be a mismatch. Jaheim Bell, because of his unique skill set. McDowell's another one. I mean, if you're going down the list of here's who I want the ball to go to, I would like to see the ball in his hands in in an open field situation. What's McDowell top? I mean, easily top 10, right? I mean, maybe even top five on this roster as far as here's, here's what I would like. Here's a guy I would like to see in the open field. So point is when you've got a guy like that and he's one of your best guys with the ball in his hands, figure out a way to get it to him. And so uh, as time has gone on, he's become more and more comfortable and he's shown that in practice. So I'll be, I'll be very curious to see how much, you know, early he can factor in and, and how he factors in, in terms of how he's moved around. Yeah. And man, I, I think let's look back over the last couple of years. There haven't been many opportunities where South Carolina has just blown somebody out to, to get down into the depth of on either side of the ball and get guys a lot of playing time, get, Get your your next linebackers on the field. Get your third string guys on the field on offense. So, I think another key to this to this Eastern Illinois game, man, is just. I mean, you go back what Charleston Southern when they just absolutely crushed them. Even then, I, I, I thought there were times you make the case Muschamp left starters in for pretty long in, in games like that. And and I get you know guys work hard to be able to play. Don't get me wrong, but. Getting, I, I think a big part of the first couple of weeks is going to be taking the guys who have gotten the, the majority of the first team reps in practice, getting them out there first. But then some of these positions where we're not really sure about who plays a bit better when the lights come on. Um, you know, what does Juju McDowell do when he gets his opportunities? What, what do the second team receivers do when they start to get their opportunities and stuff like that? So, as with anything, I imagine all those things are going to become more and more clear as we see it play out on the field and against real opponents. And, and when they have those opportunities to make plays, can they do that? Um, but, man, do you, what, some, some guys, we talk about it a lot, Chris, some guys just have a knack and, and they just make that transition look very easy. And some guys it takes two, three years for the light bulb to sort of come on and they have to develop. Um Gigi McDowell seems to be a guy that just the the transition has just clicked very, very simply for him, which is is awesome for him and and good for South Carolina. You almost wish he was a wide receiver, but uh, it's good either way. <laughs> well, and, and and that's the thing. He is more of a running back and, and a potential return guy, but can you get him in space from that running back position, you know, that with the ball in his hands, even if it's re- the reception category? And that's something that's been taught a lot is – getting the backs involved in the passing game. Maybe that's something you can do. Wes, you, going back, I had to actually pull just because you said it. You, you, you jogged my memory. I pulled up our inside the snap count feature on Gamecock Central for that Charleston Southern game. Uh, that's something, by the way, if you're not familiar with it, we publish snap counts so you can see who played, how much they played every week during the season on Gamecock Central. Wow. It was a lot of people in the Charleston Southern game. Um for sure. That was, that's by far, I don't even have to go look at another game 
in the must champ era. That is by far the highest number of guys that would have seen action in a game. Seven tight ends played. That's all you need to know. So, um, and Kevin Harris had maybe one of the more efficient performances in school in college history. football history. It, it probably, I was going to go there, but yeah, he played seven snaps, carried the ball six times, scored three touchdowns, and gained 147 yards. So, pretty good in that game. Wes, before we move on, can I jump in real quick? I want to, we have renewed our partnership with one of our partners, Dead Soxy, here on GC Live. Going to put this little banner up. There you see it, Gamecock Central partner with Dead Soxy, those great folks over there. You see up in that, if you're on the live show, the top left-hand corner, that's the spur line of socks, or they have the no-shows. If you want something patriotic, dress socks, whatever you want, go peruse their library. I'm going to use that word of socks. On deadsoxy.com, that's D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. And because of our partnership at GC Live with Dead Soxy, you can get 25% off your entire order by using the promo code COCKY. So make sure you check those guys out at deadsoxy.com. Proud partner here at GamecockCentral.com. Do, do we have a uh, specific link for them, Chris? Or do they just go to Dead Soxy and they put in the code? You can go straight to deadsoxy.com. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna share that with everyone just to yep. make it. Yep, make it easy there. So straight to deadsoxy.com. You can check out their entire you know catalog there online. You can go to the college section and check out the uh, the spur line of socks that they worked with us in conjunction on. And you can check those out and get 25% off. So yeah, just use the promo code cocky at checkout. And uh, they've got they've always got a lot of good deals going on there in terms of sales internally. So I can save you even more money when you use the promo code. Yeah, there's the if you're if you're on the video stream, uh, the link should be popping up for you there momentarily. Uh, Lou Antonelli wants to know uh, about the game that Bailey got hurt. That was that the Akron game. That was that was the Akron game. Yep, he broke his leg late in that game, 2019. Lots of discussion about that one. That was the one that I think Debo Samuel played like a half, right? Like I think didn't he come out after halftime? But lots of starters remained in that game. Yeah. Uh, by the way, shout out to Lou. Lou made an appearance, Chris, at our at our party. Um, great dude. Uh, he he was hanging out with our our friends uh, Jen from the Charleston Gamecock Club and her uh, her husband. Shout out to them as well. Great to see them. Glad they made the trip up. Um, so yeah, shout out again to everybody that, that came out. Um, what, what else we got, man? I, let's, let's talk a second about Tyrese Ross, because I, I think this dude is going to push sooner rather than later. Maybe you could say he already is into the mix at, at safety. It, it seems like RJ Roderick and Jalen Foster right now are your starters at safety. The, the, the ones again have been pretty much the same every single time we've been out there on the defense, which uh, actually is a very good thing, man, because that means, uh, knock on wood if you're a South Carolina fan, other than Cam Smith, who has missed the entire camp, the guys who started camp with the ones on defense have remained pretty healthy throughout camp. Yeah. That's not always a given. So that's a blessing if you're South Carolina. Um, But but Jalen Foster, R.J. Roderick, R.J. is a guy who's received – Plenty of praise from from Shane Beamer so far. So uh, we'll have we'll have eyes on him, eyes on number ten, and then Tyrese Ross 
Um, right now, don't know if he would be a starter, but it, it sounds like he is um, he is pushing his way into that conversation. Yeah, and that's an interesting one. He was one of the more intriguing players, not just because he's a new player. That always kind of adds a layer when it's a transfer who's new. Your mind automatically goes to, okay, can this guy, you know, jump in and, and play a more immediate role because he's a transfer, because he's got some experience. And so, you know, for him, you know, get, getting to, to campus, you know, in the summer, then missing some time in the preseason, uh, that hampered him a little bit, right? But he has, he does have some experience. He's got some physical tools with, from what we've heard, Wes, he's a, he's got some, some violence in terms of being a hitter. That's something that South Carolina, that'd be a welcome addition for sure to the safety core. And so we'll see how it plays out, but that's one that I could see in terms of position battles. There's there are a lot of guys that are probably pretty locked into a starting spot defensively, right? On this team. Uh, You think about, you know, for example, a Zach Pickens, you think about J.J. Enigbari, you think about Sherrod Green, you know, R.J. Rogers. There are a lot of guys that seem locked in. That's one with Tyrese Ross to where I could see him continuing to push his way forward in terms of earning more and more playing time, provided that he actually plays well in the games. But there have been some positive returns as of late with his play on the field. So I think that's definitely one to watch. Yeah, I'm as much as we talk about the players themselves, man, I'm I'm curious to watch this defense and try to get a feel for what it looks like schematically. I'll be honest, I, I try dude, I try to like stay up on that stuff and and what trends are defensively and you know, is this more of a man defense, more of a zone defense? A lot of times defenses have gotten they've they've had to keep up with offenses. So it it's sometimes hard to tell because man and zone has really sort of gone away to an extent to where it's combo this and combo that and half field is in man, half the field is in zone. And it's hard to tell. I, I've i got it written down. I, I think we're probably going to follow up with some former players after we get a game or two of footage and try to get an idea of exactly what South Carolina is doing, what, what they're showing on defense, because that as much as we've talked about offense and what this scheme is going to look like, other than like, yeah, it's going to be aggressive. Um, it's maybe a little bit more simple to learn. Other than stuff like that, I don't know that the conversation about the defense and what it truly is has necessarily been had a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and same can be said for the offense where you can go back and we know from what's been said publicly, what some of the stuff we've heard behind the scenes and going back and looking at some of the concepts that we know um, – are going to be or have been integrated into this offense. But at the same time, you haven't seen that as a cohesive product on the field, you know? And so I think whether it's offense, defense, and special teams because of Pete Limbo and his reputation, you're kind of looking at all those things. And there's just a lot of, there's kind of some mystery there and a lot of excitement in terms of being able to pick out exactly what it looks like. So yeah, definitely. I I think that's in the cards to, to be able to go back and talk to some former players there's going to be, I think, Wes, a lot of assessing to do after game one, right? Not just, you know, if you're a South Carolina fan, you certainly hope that the scoreline is not a worry throughout the game, that you're just more <laughs> enjoying things and you're able to look at things rather than sit there and, you know, agonize over it being a third or fourth quarter game. Uh, but regardless, I mean, outcome aside, there are going to be so many things to talk about and to analyze in game one of the Shane Beamer era. 
You know, I, I was thinking about the show today, and I was sort of thinking in terms of depth chart. And I was like, what are some position battles we can highlight other than quarterback? And the more I went through the different position groups, the more it sort of almost seems like with two weeks to go, less than two weeks now, it, it's there, there's always competition. Don't get me wrong. But it does seem like it's almost kind of settled going going in already. Quarterback, I think, is certainly still – I mean, we've had that conversation today. Maybe running back just because um, you got so much talent there. Yeah. Um, you know, is Cam Smith back? We'll find out. So that that's like a an asterisk almost. But other than that, I mean – I, I it sound it sounds like Aaron Sterling has held off the two uh you know the young stud and Jordan Birch and the transfer and Jordan Strong. Um it sound it sounds like my prediction that Taka Hemingway was gonna earn a starting spot is gonna be a dud. Um for now, for now, for now, for now. For now, for now. Um it sounds like the two sort of quote veterans are gonna win the linebacker spots right now. So, I mean, it are surely there may be one other surprise coming. I don't know, man, but it seems like for the most part they've started to settle in on on the top guys. They have, and you know, it, it's always going to be interesting because a lot of people say, coaches and observers, you never really know until you hit the field. And so, uh, heck, I remember. I mean, this is just the first example that came to mind. I mean, twenty nineteen there were a couple guys that started for South Carolina in, in game one of that game that did not end up starting, right? The next game, at least one. I think there were a couple guys. And so that can happen. Um, you, you never know how a guy's going to perform. E- even some guys that maybe have some seasoning, they're going to be out there in a new scheme. It's a new year, whatever it may be. There's a variety of factors to consider. And so you got to assess their actual play. So I, I think, though, Wes, maybe not as many – who's going to take the first snap at this particular position going into this year, running backs one, you know, like you say, still quarterback. But I do think there's room for adjustment at some certain spots, you know, um, Tonka Hemingway's one, like Tonka Hemingway, um, Ross at safety. I mean, those are two that really come to mind that I could see those guys, if they make the most of their opportunities, when they do get in there, you're going to see them play, you know, more and more. And I think I see those as a little bit different even than than what you mentioned with Sterling. Yeah, he's got Birch back there, who's a former five-star, uber-talented guy, strong, who led the nation in sacks last year. Aaron Sterling's a really good player. He's a super senior. Uh, if he were a couple inches taller, he'd be getting NFL buzz. He's just not as, as tall. And Mike Peterson loves the guy. You know, he's kind of one of the – the heartbeat guys on their defense, and he's just super reliable. So a little bit different there, but there there are a few battles that I think you could see going either way, and there can always be surprises. 2016, Wes, here's a poll for you. Jamari Smith, you remember that? Mm-hmm. Starting, started that game in the slot against Vanderbilt, heard a lot of good things in the offseason. about them all camp. All camp, great camp, unfortunately. Just didn't come together for him on the field. Had some drops, seemed to lose confidence, didn't end up playing a ton that year. So you, you just never know. Uh, but in terms of going into game one, you're right. It, it does seem that there's more 
you know, settlement than not at most spots. Yeah, so we shall see, man. Uh, what's up, Tyler? He has popped in on, on YouTube. What's up to everybody else still in the chat? I'm sure I missed some people along the way. Um, man, I, I, I completely forgot my train of thought, Chris. I was about to go to one final topic. Um, I got oh. one I wanted to bring up. Go, no, go ahead before you forget. No, I, yeah, I was going to say – uh, and I'm, I'm. This is this will be for subscribers only. But I, I just had an idea. Um, I do still have one more gift card from my buddy Kevin Silbinder over at the Grand. I've given out three of them. Uh, I got one more. Grand, great spot. I think we're going to have to do a contest. Um, you know, a first touchdown, first carry, first. We'll. we'll We'll start it on there pretty soon. So if you're a subscriber, the Insiders Forum, we'd love to give away stuff to, to reward our subscribers. So be on the lookout for that at the top of the Insiders Forum. Next, one of our next big contests, we'll give away a, a gift card to who can best predict. Um, we'll go we'll go first touchdown. I think that'll be simple enough. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Anyway, go ahead, Chris. So I was going to hit on one of the questions because this was kind of a talking point that I had planned on addressing at some point anyway. It's from Adam Higgins, Periscope. Do you think Zach Pickens takes the next step and starts to fulfill his potential? Great question. Key question, I think. Zach Pickens is one of those guys that has appeared to lock up a starting spot. But beyond that, I've kind of been asking around for the thought on Pickens. And, again, got to go show it. But there is some confidence within the program that Zach Pickens is ready to take his game to the next level. And, and look, by that, I don't mean he's going to come out as a consensus All-American first-round pick after his junior year. What I mean is start – take another step towards living up to that potential. This is a former five-star guy. He had to make the adjustment to playing inside, growing into his body, playing with more technique, different technique than what he was accustomed to at the high school level where he played running back, he played D-line, just kind of – run roughshod over everybody, turning that into getting in the trenches with big talented offensive linemen and playing with technique. So going into year three, there is, it appears, some uh, a thought within the program that he's made progress. He's starting to play with more technique, which is key, as opposed to just relying on his physical tools. And so if he can put that together, Wes, I think he's got a chance to, to come out having had you know his best season yet at South Carolina. It's a guy with a lot of potential, NFL type potential, if he can reach it. And that dude, that would go a a long way for South Carolina, right? Like we've we've heard a lot of good things about this defensive front. Uh, they've been really good in practice. They've been really good in the lead lead in. The best way to help out those linebackers, the best way to help out that secondary, would be if this defensive front can keep uh, keep keep playing well. Um, that that would be a key, obviously, for the entire season. As we get closer, we'll talk to Keys the first about Keys the first game. Obviously, we always do that. Um, some somebody um, so I spoke to a, a Gamecock group on Friday afternoon, Chris, and we we're talking about Josh Van. And you know, I, I think I think certainly Pickens is a guy that can take a step forward. But we were sort of talking about who who are those guys that have just most benefited from a new staff and a new approach and just a new lease on their football lives and. You know, we were talking about R.J. Roderick on defense, and we were talking about Josh Van on offense. And some of them were kind of, you know, they were like, well, we're in show-me mode 
on Josh Van. And I said, yeah, you know, I get it. I get it completely. How how important is it for someone like a Josh Van to to catch the first pass that comes his way this season? You know, like just to just to like I was thinking about that when you brought up Jamari Smith, man. Like I really just for Josh Van's sake, because I you know it's been an up and down uh, career for him. He seems settled in. He seems happy. He's really bought into the culture from a Beamer standpoint and a Justin Step position coach standpoint. He, but he really needs for like those first couple of passes that go to him to be hauled in, and him sort of have that feeling of all right, like I'm here. I I can do this. To me, that's uh, it's it seems like a small thing, but it, it could be a big thing. And I don't, I don't know if he used this exact terminology. He spoke to the media for quite a while, a while earlier this season in camp. I don't know if he used the term lost confidence like directly, but from a lot of the things that he said and kind of even just what you observed, what you heard, Wes, he lost confidence. And I think that that was the case for a lot of guys on this team. Collectively, I think the team had lost confidence. Individually, a lot of them had. Van wasn't alone in that. I mean, Jalen Brooks got up there that same day and basically said that, you know, wasn't in a good headspace, all that. So Van now is going into this year knowing that when they're in three receiver set, true three receiver, he's one of the guys out there and he's going to be counted on. He's going to have opportunities. Um, And so I think that has helped him because he was used to that in high school, former big time recruit, four star guy, nationally rated wide receiver prospect. He has talent. That's not the issue. You don't look at Josh Van and say he just can't get it done. He doesn't have the the talent. He can't run. He can't, you know, he doesn't have ball skills. He has those things. And so it's just about turning around his confidence. And I think that's huge, Wes, like you said, for him to be able to go out and actually establish it on the field early, pick up some confidence. He's a guy that has the type of ability to where he could build on that. Yep, and I think uh, as we talk expectations, we that's been an underlying trend for the entire show. Expectations of this receiving core, I'll say it again, it doesn't have to be that they go make the spectacular play. To me, it's can they go get what is available? Can they hold on to the football when it's there? How how different would even last year have been, Chris? Not if the receivers went out and made Alshon Jeffrey plays, but if they held on to the ball at a higher percentage of the time, in in a perfectly timed tweet, I was just glancing through Twitter right now as we were talking. SEC StatCat posted, I mean, you never know what random stat you're going to get from this kid. So, we had him on the show last year. I, I'm thinking, Chris, we need to get him back on the show maybe week two or three after South Carolina's had a couple of uh, – some film of the offense and get his thoughts on this thing because he will give you an unfiltered – opinion of of what it is and what it isn't but he posted the drops from last year for sec teams Mm. and south carolina was third worst in the conference in pure number of drops but worst in the conference in percentage of drops uh so 36 total drops Florida actually had 46 drops last year, but that was 9.9% of their passes, whereas South Carolina had a 12.4% drop rate. So to give some perspective on that, 
Like Van, Vandy was best. Vandy was actually best in the league in drops. They had a four percent drop rate. Um, Georgia had an eight percent. Ole Miss had a seven percent. So, I mean, twelve percent over an entire course of a season is a ton. So, you, you don't have to go make the spectacular play, but can you hold on to the ball when you have opportunities to extend the chains and make first downs at a better rate than last year? Uh, will, will be a key for, for South Carolina. Jonathan asks, can we go 6-6, six and six, or am I crazy to think we can go 12-0? and 0? <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> I, you, I'm not going to call you crazy, man, because you seem like a good guy, but South Carolina ain't going 12-0. and 0. Um, Somebody asked earlier, what are our expectations? I... I, I I agree with what y'all said. Six is like the – I'm not even saying I expect South Carolina to go six because I, I normally – I don't like making predictions because I just feel like there's too many variables. When people make predictions, right. most of the time, Chris, they're pulling a number out of thin air. And I could pull a number and say, yeah, they'll get six wins. But is that realistic? Is that most likely? I, I don't know. I just think six – is where you sit there and you circle, you say, if they get to six, it's a positive step and it's something fans should actually be happy for. And that doesn't mean you're lowering expectations. That doesn't mean that you are setting a a ceiling for the season. It just means that that right now is realistic. And if you have a new coaching staff, you have to find what is realistic, but also what would signal progress. Mm -hmm. And – I think six would signal progress. Five is also realistic, but I feel like people rightfully so have a hard time getting excited over five wins. That's very true because, of you know, you, you generally consider, okay, six wins and everybody's thinking bowl game, and that's always a good measure of progress for a team that, you know, won two last year, won shortened season, but won two last year and, and four the year before. So getting above – Anything above that is good. And then obviously getting to a bowl, there's all sorts of benefits to that. Extra practice, perception of a bowl game, something you can sell in recruiting, all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, look, Vegas right now has South Carolina set, from what I see, three and a half. So pretty low bar, right? I don't want to say if you get over that, it's gravy. Because you don't want to say four wins is excellent for this program. I don't think so. Uh, but I do think being realistic in year one for a for a low-margin team is – here's how people should measure progress. I think it goes back to what Shane Beamer says. I agree with him. He's not going to sit there ever and say, you know, like if he's on Carolina calls, you know, Todd, if, if we win eight games, that's great. Why would he say – he's not going to say that. You know, I think he's had a good answer to it. If we can be the best team we can be and maximize our ability, maximize our potential this year, it'll have been a good season. So if South Carolina does that, if they do that, it's probably about a six-win team. Like, that's just – that's my opinion. That's not to say it could be less. That's not even to say South Carolina couldn't go out there and, and steal a game or two and, and do even better. I think that's going to be pretty difficult. But the, the kind of the baseline should be – Win the games that you're supposed to on paper. Maybe go steal one. Be competitive. Uh, be 
competitive, and that can be relative. You know, if you're playing Clemson and Georgia, being competitive is going to be different probably even than Florida this year or than a Missouri-Kentucky, right? Um, to have the type of season that you want to have, you're going to need to go beat a Missouri or a Kentucky this year. And those are going to be, at best, toss-up games, I think, for South Carolina. So it's a – it's it's a it's a difficult schedule for them, but there are some wins that can be had. I just I just take it back and I simplify it, Wes, and say rather than a kind of a number because it can be a week to week thing. Are you are you competitive? Are you maximizing this team's potential? Good stuff, man. All right, we're we're actually over an hour now. Um, it's right at three o'clock, so time for us to get out of here. Uh, great stuff, great uh, great discussion because we have stuff to talk about, which is fun. Um, we're going to have some guests coming up. Actually, I saw our good buddy, Andy Boyd on uh, Friday, Chris, and me and Andy talked about him hopping on the podcast. And so we're going to make that happen. I need to reach out and uh, see exactly when works for Andy, but Andy, um, great dude. I've known Andy forever. I knew Andy all 12 years. He was at South Carolina. So, um, looking forward to hearing from Andy. I'm working, I'm working on some other, um, I thought you were going to leave me hanging on that, Chris, and just yeah, it just it took a minute. For my my brain fogged as a twelve. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, hey, but, there's yeah. a rumor. There's a rumor, Wes, that we could be hopping on with Andy and our buddy Greg at Primal at the same time. Rumor. Oh, okay. Are we going to get free food out of this? I, I don't. I work that into the contract. Yeah, I mean, I don't see why we shouldn't be eating at Primal during the podcast to highlight yes. their excellent food. Yes. Primal Gourmet, a uh, great spot over right across the bridge um, in the, the West Columbia Casey area. Uh, I believe their address is technically West Columbia. I know I, I get the, the lines over there confused, honestly, but it is West Columbia. Um, great folks, great food. They're a sponsor on GamecockCentral.com. Uh, one of our main sponsors on top of our message board. Uh, we actually have a deal from them if you go on there and click through right now. But if you're if you're like me and you're trying to get back into a healthy eating habit, which while planning this party, I have been chugging sugary uh, coffee crap for um, about two and a half weeks. I've got to get back to uh, to the gym and I've got to get back on a, a healthy eating deal. They have it's really cool if you're not into meal prep, but you want to be. They have all types of meal prep options for you as well. So we'll get on there. We'll get Andy to tell some Spurrier stories. Um, he was there for four different eras of coaches, I think. So uh, we'll, we'll, let, we'll let Andy tell all kinds of stories, man. Um, all right, y'all, that's it. We got some guests lined up, though. We're going to have some cool guests coming up throughout the season. For Chris, I'm Wes. We'll see y'all soon. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.